and welcome to the Top Shelf Podcast, where we talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey. And this is coming off, fresh off, a win. Phil Farber, David Tuckman here. Phil, we won a game, and, and we won it in convincing fashion, beating the Buffalo Sabres 4-1. to one. I, I did not get a chance to watch the game. I got a chance to listen to it from start to finish, but listening to Kinger on the call, it seemed like the Islanders definitely controlled the play, although the shot count was in favor of the Sabres. Uh, but the outcome never in doubt, never in doubt, and a convincing 4-1 to one win, a much-needed 4-1 win, missing a couple of key guys, and uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dismiss, you know, obviously we played Buffalo, let's not overreact, it's just Buffalo, but this is an Islander team without Brock Nelson, without Wallstrom, without Ryan Pollock. Anthony Bavillier. Anthony Bavillier, Kyle Palmieri, say what you will about his performance this year, whether you love it or not. These are still all regulars that are better than what their replacements are. So getting two points with that lineup without those players, I, I don't care who we play. I don't care if we're playing Arizona. That's a win, and that's a, a, a huge thing. And, and, and frankly, coming off our last podcast where we talked about, you know, are the playoffs a legitimate hope? Is it a long shot, or is it a pipe dream? Is it not even close? These are the wins we needed to get. Yeah, and we discussed a number of things that need to go right. And tonight, a couple of those things that we discussed last night started to happen they need bailey to play as well as they expected bailey to play and bailey was fantastic tonight as bd pointed out last night they need varlamov he doesn't need to be the 930 goaltender he was last year but they need him to be a reliable enough goalie that they could count on him to win games and in his past two games he stopped 76 out of 78 shots and has two victories yeah he looked by the way he looked yeah, I was going to say, he looked kind of similar to Boston where it looked like he was out of sorts and a little bit out of position on certain ones. But at the end of the day, he got the job done, and I'm wondering if that just feed that confidence feeds upon himself. Um, he seemed to get better as the game went on, I'll say that. Definitely. And we discussed how Ryan Pollock's injury could be a blessing in disguise if it ultimately leads to Robin Solo stealing a role from Chara or Green or, or one of the elder statesmen there. The real silver lining has been Noah Dobson. And with the elevated role that he's played and the elevated minutes and the more trust that Barry's had in him, he's gotten so much confidence right now in the things he's doing in the offensive zone, even with the understanding that there are some defensive deficiencies in his game and he's still very young, but he is, he's maturing in front of our eyes and he's becoming the player that they needed him to be when they drafted him 12th overall in 2018. He's becoming a power play quarterback that I didn't think he had in him. Uh, he's making decisive decisions. He's moving the puck quickly. He's skating the puck up. That first goal, which was not on the power play, the, uh, later on they got a power play, got a power play assist, or he was on the ice for a power play goal, I should say. Uh, the assist on Barzal's goal was really all him. I mean, skating up the puck, cr- going to the net hard, forcing the Buffalo Sabres to stay with him, and, and then Bailey finding Barzal, and then Barzal finding the back of the net. You know, and hey, yeah. they, they put Bellows on the power play, just like we discussed last night. Put him yeah. on the first unit, as a matter of fact. Yeah, obviously, without, guys are missing. Right. Without but, Wallstrom and Palmieri, obviously, they had no choice. But Bellows looked good. And listen, I will be the first one to come out and say, I have been Bailey and Kiefer Bellows' biggest critics. And I will also be the first one to come out and say, they were both fantastic tonight. Kiefer Bellows? Yeah, the goal was pretty. And I was kind of, you know, I was critical of the goal. Uh, was it versus Vegas? 
It was a wiki by it was a wiki by Leonard. It yeah. was terrible. It was a week old. And I was like, was listen, that's kind of what I always get into when people are like, oh, you know, goals are so random. And I'm not going to give a guy credit for a goal like that. But tonight, that was all Kiefer. But he battled on the blue line. Every time the puck was there and it was him versus the defenseman, the puck was out of the zone. Um, there was a couple of plays. He was shooting the puck. He was just active. He was noticeable. He was one of our better players the entire night. Um, so, how did Dal Cole look? I mean, I didn't. Uh, hear I was. Di- I was. Call, dis- how did he look in his first game back? I was disappointed, to be honest. I was really looking forward to. We talked about. We talked about this last podcast. I was looking forward to Dal Cole, seeing what he could bring because he had played so well in his. You know, obviously coming off a. I don't know. 17 games he missed at the AHL due to injury, and he came back and scored a bunch of goals and looked really good. Uh, looked like the old Doc Cole, just, just not there. Something's off. It's just not... I mean, I'll put it this way. He wasn't our worst forward by any stretch. Who, who, would, that, who would that go to in your opinion? I would say Ross. 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 And that's, and that's going to be an interesting decision coming up very soon because... And again, they might not play against Vancouver. It doesn't sound like that game's going to happen, but they've got Edmonton on Saturday. They have Seattle, which all indications are that game is going to go forward. And then they might play in Edmonton. They're still going to have guys out. And once Zarnik hits 10 games, he's going to require waivers. There's going to be a decision to be made there at some point as to who is going to be waived down. And there are going to be other players who might lose their waiver exemption as a result of having to cover games for people out with COVID. You're better at this than I am and, and better than most, to be honest. Uh, with the new taxi cab rules, can we keep Zarnik and a few others on the taxi? Because that, that would really, I mean, losing Zarnik at this point would be a, a catastrophe at this point. Losing him for you, nothing, I would say. You could, but, the, but it doesn't change the waiver rules. Once Zarnik hits, I think it's either 28 days on the roster or 10 games played, he lose his waiver exemption that he got when they waived him down at the start of the season. So he just pick clock game seven tonight, three more games, or I don't know what, how many days he has been on the active roster, but it seems inevitable that he's going to require waivers if they want to send him down at some point, maybe even as soon as next week. And that's where the question is going to be. Are, are they going to waive Ross? Because to me, Ross has, has no utility on this team. And maybe in a situation down the road next year, if Matt Martin doesn't come back, there's use for a player like that. Maybe not as not as an everyday player, but an enforcer type that you put into certain kinds of games. He doesn't even fight anymore. He doesn't. I mean, I, he, I he did. He, he challenged. He cl- yeah, he challenged Rasmus Dahlin. Yeah, he challenged Dahlin tonight for a second, um, and then kind of got it into it with Hayden for a little bit. But there was just nothing there, and you can just see like. There are some times where he puts on a good hit, and then there are other times where he lines up a defenseman and he just misses him because he's just not quick enough. He's not slow, by the way. There's a difference between slow, you know, speed and quickness. He's not slow. He's actually pretty fast, A to B, um, you know, as long as it's a long distance. It's his quickness in those short spots. He just has a real problem there, and I, I just don't think he's an NHL player. But, you know, I'll, I'll eat my words happily when I look at Kiefer Bellows because I've been saying for the last year and a half that Kiefer Bellows is not an NHL player and he looked the part tonight. Bailey looked great tonight. Bailey, by the way, on the power play, one shot on net, two shot attempts, was actually active. He was moving the puck. Um, Had two really nice assists. Uh, Noah Dobson looked great tonight. Uh, Barzal just dominant. I mean, we talk about, um, you know, people always say like, oh, we don't really have a true first-line center. 
Watching Barzal tonight, if he could bring that, I mean, defensively, he was breaking up passes in the defensive zone. Offensively, every time he was on the ice, the Islanders dominated. Yeah, and that's and that's really what they need from their superstar. And you don't know what you're going to get from a player when they haven't played in quite some time. He missed three games with COVID. I think that he had two practices when he came back. Barry had that quote, you know, Barzy kind of hit a wall in the first practice, but he did not miss a beat. And it's going to be so important for him. Look, they have, as, as has been pointed out tonight, they've got points in eight out of the last 10 games, right? They very easily could have had points in nine out of 10, if not for that late goal against Nashville. You know, it's, it's not inconceivable to think that during this 10 game stretch that they should have had seven or eight wins. Even when you look back at some of these games, it's unfortunate, but now the situation that they're in, they're six points behind Boston, albeit with having played one more game. They're nine points behind Detroit. They are, it's a tough uphill climb, but they are the, the you know, they, they're going to make their own luck at this point. And they're going to be fully healthy in pretty short order. And they're going to have to put together, like we said, the type of run that they have in seasons past. Yeah. I mean, I and, don't want to get ahead of ourselves and, you know, jump on and be like, oh, wow, we beat Buffalo. We're going to do it. We're making the playoffs now. But at the same time, I, 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 I tweeted this, I think, um, Nichols had tweeted something or whoever it was had tweeted something about, oh, well, they were already kind of like scoreboard watching. And to me, it's far too early to that. To me, it's, it's a race to the points. It's almost like a golf match where I know if I get, if I'm minus one, I'm going to make the cut. Forget about who else is in there. If I get minus one, I'm going to make the cut and I'm going to be playing on Saturday and Sunday. Kind of the same thing with the, with the Islanders. If, if we can get to, you know, 96 to 98 points, we're going to make the playoffs. You know, somewhere in that range. And, you know, in March, if we're even, even in the conversation, we can start scoreboard watching. But right now, it's just a matter of we got to put up, we got to get two points here, two points here, two points there. And, uh, you know, we can't put up really very many goose eggs over the yeah. next three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, it, well, the Zarnik thing, though, I do want to touch on because he's a player, you know, I, I think that the vast majority of fans don't realize that most players don't get claimed. Claims don't happen very often when players go on waivers, but I think Zarnik is going to get claimed. He's a 100%. center. He's, a, He's center. a center. I mean, who doesn't need a fourth or fifth line center? You know, especially in a COVID year, right? Right. Where exactly. Teams are, teams are playing with, with guys I've never heard of before there. I, I see no scenario where if Austin Zarnik goes on waivers that he goes unclaimed. Whereas Ross Johnston, even if he gets claimed, who cares? But his contract's going to prevent him from getting claimed. But that's what we uh, talked about, right? I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. Wasn't that it's, that it's, was the whole point of contract, right? We it's said Lou was a genius contract. for making that contract with Ross. So let's see that go to fruition. Ross go. Ross gets waivers. Zarnik stays up, um, and um, I, I think losing Zarnik for nothing at this point would be criminal. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I did also want to point out one other thing. So Please. In, in these 10 in these ten games since their first COVID pause, seven out of their 10 games, they've scored three or more goals, which is just an interesting tidbit. Number two, in the nine wins they have, every single win has been by multiple goals. They have not yet won by a one-goal margin. I don't know what the record is in one-goal games, but in this 10-game set, they've lost all six one goal games that have taken place. They're 0-2 and 4 in games that have been side by one goal, which is just ridiculously unlucky. Yeah. And the law of averages at some point is going to kick in. So 
if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic, that might be it. I wanted to touch on the uh, the Andrew Gross quote. Did you have a chance to see that? No, I didn't. I, I watched the game a little bit on delay, so I was about 30 minutes behind everybody else. Uh, living so, in the West Coast, I, I will often watch a game about 30 minutes to an hour behind the rest of you. Good news is I get to skip intermissions. Nice. Yeah, it, it's, it's special there. And, and living in L.A., it's not like anybody's going to spoil the game for me. <laughs> well, I'll give you the quote that uh, Gross has here. Barry Trotz asked about Kyle Palmieri, IR lower body, says mm-hmm. no timetable. Adds, when Palmieri gets healthy, coaching staff will see if they put him back in because there are other players playing well right now. What do you make of that quote? You know, it's it's hard to know with Barry, but I do think, you know, Barry had mentioned something. I, I, I don't know if it was yesterday, the day before, where Barry said, you know, in the current era of salary cap hockey, if a younger guy, younger, cheaper guy, is doing this as good a job as the older guy, well that guy's going to get the job, right? I actually heard, I think it was uh, Brendan Burke said that tonight on the broadcast, or maybe it was, either way, they were talking about that. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, we've seen it with the NFL. We see it with the NHL now. If you want to be successful in today's NHL, you need to have at least two or three contributing players on ELCs on your roster, playing, and playing well. Because you've got to pay the other players. So you've got to have those guys making $850,000, $900,000. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. The system doesn't work. So, you know, if, you know, I think Trotz is looking at it going, well, if I'm getting, if Kiefer Bellows is going to play the way he's playing and Wallstrom is going to play the way he's playing and he looks up and down his roster and Palmieri is not, uh, it'd certainly be interesting. It, it would be very much against the grain and a very much against a Trotz uh, a Trotzian not, type not of thing. Not just Trotz. I mean, anybody this really. Would be, I mean, this would be grounds for an all-out clash between him and the GM that just gave Paul Mary this four-year deal. To me, I look at it like this, right? The beginning of the quote: "They have no timetable on his return, right?" So already understanding that there are, there's going to be a person or people who are filling in for, for Paul Mary for an indefinite period of time over here. You have to keep a fire lit under a guy like Bellows. You have to keep a fire lit under a guy like Zarnik. You have to make it so that these players believe that they could actually win a roster spot and play the way they did tonight. Yeah, that's and, a great point. And, and yeah. saying anything other than what he said tonight with regard to Paul Mary, where he leaves the window open and kind of gives these guys a carrot to chase where, oh, all of a sudden... There's, there's, there's a potential spot of the lineup over here. I personally don't believe there is. I have a hard time believing that when Paul Mary's fully healthy, that they're not going to have a spot for him. But just the belief that Kiefer Bellows has, that he now has a spot on the roster to win, where everything was set in stone in training camp. You know, Barry came in and said, I've got my 12. I'm just looking at 13 and 14 right now. All of a sudden that's changed. And Barry needs to rely on these guys for weeks now. I, th- I think it's. I think that's I, what it is here. Yeah, and I think it's a good point. I think what you bring up is probably a hundred percent right. That said, we're looking at a team that is, you know, mired in the, you know, the depths of the standings right now. And if you're Barry Trotz, and he came out and said this is one of the co- the toughest coaching jobs I've ever had, and if he's looking at it going, I mean, if Kiefer Bellows plays the way he did tonight, it is going to be very, very difficult to take him out of the lineup. 
So right. then and you like start looking at it going, night, right? What, like, but what we discussed last night, and there's no, you know, will they do it or won't they do it? The obvious man out has to be Matt Martin. It's so obvious that what you do is you put Parisi down oh. on that line with Sezikis and Clutterbuck, make a really dynamic fourth line. You put Palmieri with Pajot and Bellows, and then if you want to keep Bailey on the top line, if it works, if it works the way it did tonight, fine by me. Put Wallstrom on the second line, but have Wallstrom in the top six. Because I mean, listen, than, listen, you and I are Bellows, never. There really isn't anyone yeah. else. There really isn't anyone else that I could see them sitting Palmieri out for. They're not going to keep Austin Zarnik in over him. No, I mean, un- unfortunately for Zarnik, he is very quickly becoming, I guess, the 14th forward. And Bellows the 13th forward. But in a year like this, with COVID, with injuries, you know, you really want to go at least 14, 15 deep. Um, I mean, the Islanders are in a unique situation. I mean, I think the entire NHL is. I mean, if you are a fringe, if you are a fringe NHL, AHL player, what an, what an opportunity for you. If you're 25 years old and you thought you never got a chance. I mean, imagine if you were Josh Hosang and you just, you just, you just played, you know, by lose ridiculous rules. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that lose rules aren't ridiculous. I think shaving is stupid. Okay. I don't shave, whatever, you know, let's just get, let's get rid of those draconian rules, but whatever. But if Josh Hosang just kind of like played the played the game, so to speak, he'd be getting a chance. And I think it's it's really wonderful for a lot of players all across the league that are getting this chance. So for Michael Dalcole, for Austin Zarnick, for Kiefer Bellows again, these are all players that are getting chances. Um, the more I think about it, when Palmieri does come back, when Brock Nelson comes back, when all these players come back and you look at it going, where is Ross's spot? Where's Matt Martin's spot? Matt Martin, by the way, he did look a little bit more noticeable with hits tonight, and the th- and the third and the fourth line looked a little better tonight. But I, I still think Martin is spent. I, th- I think he's cooked. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think that, in an ideal world, be lingering all year. Yeah, I, I think in an ideal world, you and I are on the same page. Kiefer Bellows continues to emerge. He replaces Parisi on the third line. Parisi replaces Martin on the fourth line, and Salo replaces Char on defense. And that's kind of what I was getting at with BD. I said, this team, in my opinion, has the potential to be better than any of the teams we saw the last two years. I, I genuinely think that. The pieces are there. Right. I don't know if, if, if you know, if the, uh, the puppet master will put the play- pieces in place, but I think the pieces are there. Agreed. Um, I was Agreed. disappointed with Dal Cole tonight. I mean, it's his first game up, and I, I just I wanted to see more. He made a couple of nice passes. He got a shot on net. Um, well, he'll he'll have another opportunity on Saturday against Edmonton, and the Islanders are getting Edmonton on the back half of a back-to-back for Edmonton, so hopefully they could take advantage of that. I would imagine Sorokin comes back in, right? They're not going to go with Varlamov here. I would imagine so. I thought it was an interesting choice, though, to go to Varley tonight. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was, okay, we've got Buffalo, not a great team. They came in on a back-to-back. They traveled from Buffalo on a back-to-back, and they're missing some some players also. So maybe kind of easing Varlamov back in with an easier matchup. It was interesting. Also, as we pointed out, I thought Sorokin was horrible against Vegas. And the game before that, was it? He played Detroit, right? He had that loss against Detroit two to one, where he was making acrobatic saves, but both goals that went in were absolutely terrible. 
So again, hard, hard to read into it. I would expect Sorokin to be back in net for Saturday. But anyway. I would imagine, I don't know Trotz's theory on goaltenders. But if it's anything like players, I'm going to go on this thing. And I'm, I'm curious. I, and, and by the way, this could be completely full of shit. I have no idea if this is true or not. But we look at Bart, we look at, at Trotz. And he doesn't mind if his players are ridiculously creative and try crazy things as long as they get the basics down pat, right? You can't screw up the easy stuff. And that's kind of right. been the case with Barzal, with Kiefer, with Wallstrom, all these different players, right? You know, dump the puck in the corner when you have to. Don't, don't, don't do more than you need to do. And I wonder if it's the same thing with Sorokin, because Sorokin makes those miraculous saves, and I wonder for Trotz, is, it, it, does he have that same kind of you know, mentality about goaltenders? Like, great, I'm glad you can make those, the, the, the spectacular save. I need you to make the basic saves, though. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Because the goals that go in are just... The, the, They're <laughs> his, high danger, his high danger save, I haven't looked at it, but I would imagine his high danger save percentage is probably up there with the best of them. It's just, he'll, he'll go down early and, and the player will just sneak it over the corner. We've seen that a couple of times. We saw Hornquist do that. We saw, I forget which Red Wing player did that. He had that play where it's a soft roller on net and he just gives it to the Vegas player to put right in on the short side. His rebound, yeah, his rebound control has always been a little bit suspect. Um, the thing that concerns me is, you know, when, when the Islanders do give up the rare two-on-one, it, it tends to be the player coming down the left side more often than the right side. The defenseman is taught to take away the pass, the let pass, the goalie yeah. take the shooter. That's, I mean, you're taught that from the age of seven on. And those shots go in. Now, I'm not going to say, time. right, and those just, for a goaltender, it's like, in the NHL, if a goalie can see the puck and see the shooter, they should be able to come out and challenge and take that away. Especially when it's a fourth liner like Giovanni Smith. Thank not you. to take away from Giovanni Smith, but I mean, again, Green is the. It's not Austin there. Matthews. He's right? not Austin Matthews. Green has the recognition that this is a fourth line player. I'm not going to challenge him because goalie's got the fourth liner. I'll take the pass and it just goes right in. And, you know, from 15 feet out, you have to be able to stop that. Right, right. And, and, and that's the biggest thing is one of the things with this season, you know, we've lost a lot of these one-goal games, and it's, it's been a tough go. We're going to wrap this up in a second, guys. Uh, it, but it's, it's been that, like, you know, the Islanders finally get a goal in a, in a big spot, and then the goaltender lets up a goal in a bad spot. And it's been a lot of unlucky, or maybe we've made our own luck. Yeah, and you could point to probably three, four games where – you just look at, you know, I would say the Detroit, the first game against Detroit, the game against Nashville, and the game against Vegas. Those are games where they should have at least been 2-0-1 as opposed to 0-1-2. Yeah. Okay, and, well, the good tonight. Well, let's leave it here. The good tonight. First of all, the game was great. Anders Lee, once again, looked great. Bailey, the whole first line. Barzal was absolutely dominant. I mean, he was the best player on the ice on both sides by – it looked like he was playing in the AHL. He was that good. Uh, I mean, I, I, you have to watch the game. It was just like every time he touched the puck, he just did whatever he wanted to. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously it showed up with a goal and two assists, and it could have been more than that. Bailey looked great. Lee looked great. Kiefer looked – I thought that was the best game in, in Kiefer's career. And I have said Easily. this, and I said if Kiefer, if Kiefer proves me wrong and becomes an NHLer, I will go out and buy his jersey. Happily. I will happily <laughs> – I would love to be wrong on him, okay? Um, you know, so – uh, I thought Salo looked okay. I thought Dobson looked fantastic. 
you know? Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Lee. Lee has nine goals in 21 games or 22 games. I mean, how many he missed, right. he missed five or six? How games many people on our team? We like everybody screams. We need it. We need a consistent 30 goal score. We have them. We have them. Yeah, we have them. It might not be the way you want. So, and I argue, I argue with people about this all the time. Like, we need to get rid of Lee. We need to get rid of I'm like the dude is going to score 30 goals. Yeah, but he doesn't skate well. But he scores 30 goals. Not a lot of players in the league score 30 goals. I don't care how they come. Yeah. Right? Uh, Chris Kreider is doing it for the Rangers. His goals aren't pretty, but he's got 19 goals now, which again, for him is an anomaly in, in 31, 32 games. But you know, it, if you have a guy that can sit in front of the net and park his keys through there half of the game and he bangs in 30 goals, sign uh, me up. Hey, listen, we can argue about Andrews Lee. I don't think it's an argument. We can, we can easily say that Andrews Lee contract is not going to age out well. Okay, they gave him probably two years too many, but... But what, what do you think he would be paid this summer on a four-year deal? If he was a free agent this summer, he's got four years left after this. What well, would I, I mean, that, but that doesn't... Deal? Yeah, but I mean, somebody would overpay him and somebody would give him too much term. Right. I think so, someone would give him at least five or six million on a four-year term. Uh, absolutely. No, there's no right. question. I mean, I, I don't think he's necessarily even overpaid. I mean, he's our captain. He's a right. good captain. You know, he works his ass off. He gets all the dirty goals. He backs up our team. I, I am all for Anders Lee. Like I said, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know, five, four, four years from now, we're going to be looking at it going, okay, you know, he's probably going to outlast, you know, the contract is probably going to be one or two years too long. So what? He is what he is. Anyway, a lot of good to take away from tonight. I, I Hopefully they back this up against Edmonton. Edmonton will be a huge test. Huge um, test. You know, especially with Chara on the ice. Against, I, I imagine Trotz is going to have to match that up. He cannot have, he cannot no. have Char on the ice with Connor McDavid. Or dry saddle if you could help it. I mean, it's tough because on icing situations, but uh, it'll be interesting. It's a very fast, dynamic team with absolutely miserable goaltending. So maybe we'll win. And, de- and defense. Their defense <laughs> and bad is- defense. And bad defense, exactly. So it, it should be a fun game regardless. Anyway, uh, a little bit of a uh, rapid reaction here from Phil Farber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Phil's Facts. I am uh, David Tuckman. I am at Tuck on Sports. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. I don't even know when. We don't schedule these things. Whenever we'll we, Whenever we want to talk. Anyway, later, guys.